Fourth and final hour, Darren Dunnick and Chase on this Thursday afternoon. We are live here at Pete and Terry's Tavern. Predators and Flames tonight at 7 o'clock. That's when they'll drop the puck on this Halloween night. I'll have pregame for you starting at 6. Darren McFarland, Willie Donick, Chase McCabe, now Elliot Friedman. We look forward to this segment every Thursday at 1 o'clock. And Elliot is brought to you by <laughs> Harry's Iyer Remax Elite. Elliot, how you doing? Are you guys in costume today? Uh, we are not. We are dressed <laughs> up. We are lame. Very, okay, very lame. As long, as long as you guys admit it, that's okay. That's good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're not in denial. Very, very lame. Okay. Um, well, I want to hit you with something that I'm not even sure you can, but it was just kind of bouncing off a topic we were, were discussing at the end of last hour. We kind okay. of feel like in professional sports, home field, home ice advantage feels less of an advantage in today's professional sports landscape. We just saw it play out in the World Series where all seven games went to the road team, went to the visiting team. I think how many road games the Blues won right. last year. So, right. And, and the Predators in their run, they had massive success on the road. So are we on to something? Are we just throwing something out there we have no data to back up? It just feels that way. So I'll ask you, what, what do you think about that? You know, I, I do think there's some truth to it. Um, I think every team, in play, regardless of what just happened in the World Series, I think every team and player would tell you that um, they would prefer a, a big game at home. I, I think most teams would tell you that. But I, I think, you know, to me, I think there's a few differences. First of all, the scouting has improved so much that – you know, teams know each other's strengths and weaknesses. There's so much video. I think it makes the margins thinner. Number two, you know, it, you're, you're a bit of a difference where you guys are that your home ice situation is unique. In the NHL, when you go into Nashville, you know that you're going to something that is very different than most other stadiums. But I think in a lot of places now, you know, like so many of the stadiums are, I don't know if I want to use the phrase cookie cutter because I'm not sure that that is right. But I think that, you know, in, you know, Boston's rink used to be tiny. It was smaller than a regular NHL rink. And the Bruins tailored their team to that. That was a real home ice advantage. I think in sports, a lot of that has disappeared. I think you're an exception. But I think a lot of that has disappeared. And I think the other thing, too, is that, like now, especially in the playoffs, when tickets get so expensive, it becomes almost an event for other teams' fans to see if they can buy tickets to get into your buildings. Like, I remember when Washington won the Stanley Cup two years ago in Vegas, it seemed that, like that building, as great as the Vegas fans are, was half-filled with Capitals fans. Wow. And I think all of that has changed. Like, you look at those videos from last night, it looks like there's Nationals fans all over Houston's ballpark. Like, I think that those things have changed the home ice or field experience. By the way, a listener did, and I was, I was going to follow up with that if you thought that was a factor. A listener did bring that to our attention of how much do you think, as you said, postseason tickets go up. The secondary markets, if you're willing to pay, either you price out kind of Joe Fan who's really loud and rowdy and you've kind of got people in suits, 
or like you said, if you're a, a, t, a, a fan rooting for the opposition, if you've got the money, you can buy your way into the place. Somebody brought that to our I, attention. It sounds like you agree with them. I do. I think that I think whoever made that point, it's a hundred percent true. Um, I think if you are willing to pay to go on the road, it's easier to do it than ever. And I think last night's World Series videos again were proof of that. They were a ton of Nationals fans there last night. Yeah, there were. Was anybody from Montreal there last night? Do the, does anybody in Montreal not, care? Yeah, how, do they, how, do they feel? how do they feel about the Nationals winning it? You know, it's been a long time. It's been, you know, <laughs> what, 15 years? Um, I'm sure, <laughs> I mean, if, if there was enough passion for the Expos, they'd still be there. Um, I love, I mean, I love the Expos, but I don't feel like, I don't feel in pain or anything like that by the Nationals winning. It's been, it's been 15 years. It's been a long time. Good point. All right, so let's ask you about the deal that took place here on Tuesday. We had David Poyle sit down at our table where we're located after the press conference. We had Roman Yossi on the show yesterday. Uh, a new deal for the captain, eight years, just over $74 million, $9.059 per year. That's not a coincidence, those numbers. Nope. So what did you make? What did you make of it? Well, you know, I think that we talked about it. And I think a lot of us felt that we just didn't see Roman Yossi in another uniform. So at the end of the day, I don't think anybody is surprised. And Roman Yossi should be a Nashville Predator. I think at the end of the day, um, I, I think the, the Predators pretty quickly and David Poyle, they agreed on the trade protection. Although I have to admit, I thought maybe at the end of the contract, there would be something on the lines of a limited no-trade clause. Like maybe it would be half the league or something like that. I was surprised the thing went all the way through the deal. But I think they obviously agreed on that. They agreed on the structure. I think the biggest challenge was just the number. And... You know, the thing that you guys have an advantage with in Tennessee is the state tax situation. So his value is higher. But there's no question to me that if Roman Yossi went on the market, his number would have been bigger than 9.059. Maybe it would have been 10.059 or something like that. But it would have been much higher. And I think at the end of the day, the Predators knew that. Their window to win the Stanley Cup is very much alive in the next few years. And if you lose Roman Yossi, you're not replacing him. And I think at the end of the day, the Predators knew they had to budge a little bit, and they'll be glad they did. This contract, I know that everybody worries about what he's going to look like when he's 36 or 37 years old. If, if you guys win the Cup, and he's a big part of it, and he would be if you guys win it, Nobody's going to care what he looks like when he's 36 or 37 years old. Elliot Friedman is with us. And, Elliot, I was reading your your thoughts yesterday on the piece, and that is something that I, I think we kicked around a lot after the deal was done. And it was because it was interesting is that night the Blackhawks come in and they're mm-hmm. dealing with the aftermath of paying the price they needed to pay to win the three cups, the going for it and all that. And they have a few of those contracts that do look like 
some guys in their 30s that aren't what they were a few years ago. And so I think, as you put it, the Predators have to hope, and, and I think they're confident, that Roman Yossi will age well. Well, I think you, I think you always know the player best, right? Like, like nobody knows Roman Yossi better than the Nashville Predators. Because he, is he in good shape? Well, he's definitely in better shape than me. He looks like he's in good shape. Does he, does he take care of himself? Like, is this a person who is dedicated to doing the things that you need to do to be an elite athlete and stay there in your 30s? Nobody knows that answer better than the people who run the National Predators because they see it every day. Uh, you know, so if they're, gonna, if they're taking the bet, to me they're saying, we know the answer is yes. And, you know, I know people, they hammer these contracts and I understand in a black and white world, you say 30-year-old, eight-year contract, odds are bad. But there are exceptions. Henrik Lundqvist in New York, the goalie, I remember they signed him, I think he was 31, to an eight-year deal, and people ripped the deal. He's going to make it worthwhile. They will earn every cent on that deal. T.J. Oshie, he signed an eight-year deal a couple of years ago. People in Washington were saying that's a terrible deal. T.J. Oshie is a major reason they won the Stanley Cup. As far as I'm concerned, it doesn't matter how what he's like in year five, six, seven, or eight. He helped was a big piece on a team that ended Washington Stanley Cup's drought. It's worth it, no matter what happens now. So I look at it this way. You guys are saying either we believe that Yossi is going to be good enough and take care of himself, that he's going to make this most of this deal worth it, or all of it, or B, he's going to win us a cup, and then we're not going to care what he looks like when he's 36 years old. And I like that bet for you guys. I really do. I think, I think at the end of the day, if I was in David Poyle's shoes, would I make the same bet? Yes. Yes, I would. Elliot, uh, the Blackhawks, meanwhile, the Predators really took them to the woodshed, 51 shots, total domination, mm-hmm. and it was without Philip Forsberg, who comes back tonight. And you had some thoughts on how they are evaluating their roster because uh, the point we made, uh, and I think you made it as well in your thing, was they're not supposed to be rebuilding. They're trying to rebound and get back to the to the playoffs, but they look like they've got some issues here. Yes, that's, that's certainly true. Um First of all, I'm sure Calgary is really thrilled to hear that Forsberg is coming back tonight. I'm sure they would have preferred he wait one more game. Um, you know, they this was a year where they hoped that they would be back in the race. And, you know, they're really struggling. That game that you guys played against them, I think, was only their third road game of the year. Like They've had a really home-heavy schedule. They went overseas at the beginning of the year, and they got a lot of home games because of it. So you're already behind the eight ball because your records are bad. And then you're really looking at it, even though we were talking about home ice before, you'd still rather take home games over road games. So they had the third overall pick this year in the draft. They told him two days ago he's staying up the whole year. They had a high pick two years ago who was in the American League. They called him up today, and he's going to join them out in California. So this says to me, They are ready to hand over their rosters to some of their kids. They're a little bit desperate. They want those guys to make an impact. Um, Definitely they're treading water right now. There's no question about it. 
what has been the issue? Why have the Flames not been able to kick it into gear like they did last year? Well, they've had some turnover. You know, um, I think that, I mean, they had an unbelievable year last year. They had a phenomenal year. They were second in the league in the regular season. But then, unfortunately, they got wiped out in the playoffs. And they had some changes. But one of the biggest things is their two most important forwards in terms of offense, Shawnee Goudreau, Sean Monaghan, they're not going yet. For whatever reason, Goudreau, he's, very, he's got great vision in the offensive zone. He's not able to make plays right now. And Monaghan, who's his trigger man, the scorer, he needs the puck close to the net, and then he's lethal. But he can't get the puck close to the net right now. Goudreau's just not getting it to him there. So when he struggles, the other guy struggles, and that takes away a lot of their offense. I think that's one of the big factors for sure. Elliot Friedman from Sportsnet is here with us. You can check out his 31 thoughts at sportsnet.ca. So, Elliot, now that October is coming to a close, we're seeing yep. you know some teams that, okay, they look like they're for real right now, but it's still early. But also there's some key injuries around the league. We know about Tarasenko, Landis Cog, players like that. So is this the time now where GMs are going to start to look and, and maybe there's some players that either need a change of scenery or are going to be – unrestricted free agents that now is the time where we start to see a little wheeling and dealing? I, I think you're getting closer. Um, you know, I mean, the bigger problem, guys, is that there's a lot of teams really close to the cap number. That's the biggest issue. There's a lot of teams who are right near the limit, and they've already kind of been warned that next year and maybe even the year after, it's not going up that much. So teams are being really careful with their long-term planning. So that's problem number one. But number two, I think it sounds like there's a lot more conversations going on. I think one of the names you guys are going to hear is a name you guys are very familiar with, and that's Kevin Fial. Um, he was a healthy scratch earlier this year. He got hurt. Um, he was eligible to play his first game on Tuesday night in Dallas. They didn't play him. Now, he did play last night in St. Louis, but... He started the game as a fourth liner. I was working a different game, so I didn't get a chance to see where he finished, but he started as a fourth liner. And, you know, it's not been a great fit for him there with the Wild. So I think he's definitely a guy who's available, and we'll see if there's any interest in him. It's just unfortunate for him because, as you know, he was only traded, what, 10 months ago? So it's not like, you know, it's, ne it's never a great sign when someone trades for you and then 10 months later, less than a calendar year later, they're saying, you know what, we'd like to look around and see what else is out there. Yep, it's a shame. We got to know Kevin very well here. He's um, it's a good guy. He's, he's got a lot of talent, but he's got to put everything together, you know, a lot of it off the ice. You know, he's got to put all that part. He's got to – he's always been kid, a guy that's a little immature, needs to grow up a little bit. He's got loads of talent. Uh, obviously very confident in his abilities. <laughs> He's not lacking confidence. But uh, you're right, it just has not worked out in Minnesota. It just seems like it's been uh, a bad marriage from the get-go. I think that's a fair way to put it. You know, some people, you wake up the next day, you want an annulment. I don't know if it's quite like that, but, you know, <laughs> I mean, it hasn't worked out as well as they would have hoped. That's for sure. No doubt about it. Elliot, always uh, appreciate the visit. Thanks for doing this. You have a... 
a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you next Thursday. All right, guys. Have a great weekend. All right. You do the same. Elliot Friedman brought to you by uh, Carrie Zire, Remax Elite, every week, and we always look forward to this visit Thursdays at 1 o'clock. New Amsterdam Vodka will get involved next segment because they're behind the tickets that you have a chance to win. We'll ask you a question on the other side, something from this interview you just heard, and you'll have a chance to win some tickets to an upcoming Predators home game. We'll be back. More of Darren, Donick, and Chase next. Back here on Darren, Donick, and Chase on this Thursday. Darren McFarland, Willie Donick, and Chase McCabe with you live here at Pete and Terry's Tavern. We're inching a little bit closer for your chance to win some tickets. But you have to get in here and register to win. Folks have been coming in and registering in the box. You it's don't not have, too late. You don't have no. to be Hustle present. Over. you got about 15 minutes. Get in here. I mean, if you're working over at the Omni or, you know, you're just you're downtown, just pop out. Just say, I, got, I just need a 10-minute break. Come over, put your name in. You could be going to the game tonight. Yep. Or if you can hear us, they're blaring the show yeah. out on the streets. If you can hear us, you might want attention. to Your news. attention, please. If Ladies and gentlemen of Nashville, please come in to Pete you and Terry's in the and blue register shirt. to win. Yes, you, sir. Get in here to Pete and Terry's effort. <laughs> yes. yes, you in the red jacket. <laughs> Walking right. towards the Omni. I would love to try this one day on a on a really nice day where we're watching and we can you know be like, uh, hey, you, yes. In you the with the jacket, Buffalo Bills you. jersey. <laughs> we could have done that that, that day. Holy oh, yeah. cow. Okay. Let's give the question and then release the hounds because they have X'd out the, the phone lines. So when I say release the hounds, that means we're going to undo the phones for your chance to jump in there. So this is, of course, every week brought to you by New Amsterdam Vodka. They're the provider of these tickets. But you must answer this question first coming from the Elliot Friedman interview. All right. The question is, Chase asked the question about the trade wins, and are you going to start to hear it? Elliot Friedman said, well, there's a lot of teams that have cap issues and not a lot of flexibility, so you may not be hearing a whole lot anytime soon. But he said there was one name that you will be hearing a lot in the coming weeks, and he singled this player out. Name that player. Name that player. Release the hounds. 737 737-1025. 737-1025. Name that player that there, Elliot there was referring hounds. to. Yep, the hounds have been released. The lines. And down the stretch they go. <laughs> loading up. An explosion. Okay, in all seriousness, last night before uh, Game 7 of the World Series, I decided I was watching... NBC Sports Network's coverage, their pregame coverage leading up to, what were they showing last night? Blues and Wild, right? Yep, right. Had that on at Smashville. In fact, they were showing, to what Elliot was talking about, they were showing the line combinations that they put up there. And when they put the Wild up there, Kevin Fiala indeed was on the fourth line. So he said he knew he started on the fourth line, which he was right, but he didn't know if he finished that way or not. But... So that caught my attention. But they had Bob McKenzie on, okay? And it's pretty interesting in studio. We've talked about this a lot, but it is interesting to hear how that narrative is finally getting out there and becoming a real storyline where it felt like we were always here going, why doesn't anybody ever bring this up? Why doesn't anybody ever talk about it? So they were talking about the Roman Yossi deal with the Predators. 
Do you know what Bob McKenzie referred to? Do you guys know where I'm going with this? I don't. Actually, I haven't made, seen this. He actually made a point and gave an example to talk about how this is a big deal. And this is maybe why when you look at that price tag for a guy that everybody's identified as really a top three defenseman in the league, what? He just basically got a smidge over $9 million per year? What? Do you know now what Bob McKenzie brought up? I don't. He said, well, you know what? This money goes a lot further in the state of Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. They don't have a state income tax, and their cost of living is cheaper. For example, and he used this as an example. He's like, this basically comes out to the same amount of money bring home as Drew Doughty in L.A. and Eric Carlson in San Jose. He referenced that. He said, Pierre LeBron said it yesterday on our yeah. show. Elliot yes. has it in his 31 thoughts. And Bob that McKenzie just, thing. that's what I'm saying. The national guys are now getting that narrative out there. They're now out there talking about it, and he used the same. So you just heard it. Pierre LeBron, Bob McKenzie, Elliot Friedman all talking about that, all saying the same thing. It goes a long way. And so they're saying, hey, but, you know, these that price tag is the same take-home in Nashville, Tennessee, as those guys get in California. It's an advantage. And I, I think the, the, the thing that I wonder is in coming years, and we know there's at least three years left on the current CBA, but they've been working behind the scenes to extend it, is if at some point down the road, Will will it get to the point where teams say, we need to level this out? The salary cap has got to be modified. But then as soon as you do that, what if someday Texas all of a sudden does get a state income tax or Florida does introduce it? Like the, it's not a constant thing. So it's a great spot to be in if you're the Predators or the Stars where you have that advantage and your take-home pay reflects that. Because it allows you to maybe squeeze an extra guy under the salary cap. But how, how do you do that? Yeah, there's no, I don't think you can. I don't think there's anything you can do. Are you saying, like, give the state of California a higher ceiling than well, that, somebody? That's what you would a, have to do, that, that you would yeah, allow a, the teams where no the higher cost of living there's to have a little bit more no to spend. No way you could do that. You because do there's that. more take-home pay. I can't imagine I, I don't see that. ever doing that. Then all sports have to do that, right? Well, yeah, yeah I, why would it stop there? I mean, everybody would be screaming. But I'm sure if you're a Rangers fan, you're sitting there going, man, that's a bummer. I, it's going to cost me $11 million to get a guy that costs $9 million. The cap's the same for both. Yeah, yeah but, but they funny still, how the shoes on the other foot. Because look, before they're they not had a struggling salary cap, to sign free agents. The so. small market teams had no chance of getting any of the good players, right? For, for years, only the big market teams could pay the big money. Yeah, but they also get to say, yeah, but we're L.A. or we're New York. We're New York. Right. We're, the, they had the luxury of saying we're in a big, huge city. Right. and that, So they have, they've have an, yeah. they have advantages already. They do. They have. They have I, I guess you could probably ar- argue that every city has some advantages and disadvantages. Every city is unique. I mean, they get, But that is, a, that is something that the Predators have really used. Their, to their local advantage. TV money, they get to bring home more money than the smaller markets. Right? No, you have to share the local TV that, money. I think, don't you? I don't know. I'm asking. I don't. I don't know. Well, I the revenue sharing has changed big time. It has really benefited. Everybody's everybody. on the same. I think. Is, so. is that in all sports? 
It wasn't in baseball for a long time. Right. I don't know about other Which sports. Which is why New York and Boston and those teams oh, had yeah. a major advantage. L.A. Completely. Then Milwaukee, right? Mm-hmm. Or Cincinnati. But do, uh, do they split it all up evenly? I think so. In baseball? In baseball, I, I think they've the revenue sharing has gone up way bigger than it used to. I, I Look, I see what you're saying. I don't saying, know all the specifics. But, Willie, where's the line? Like, at that point, then in... Doesn't Michigan go to the NCAA and be like, hey, man, it's, that's right. not fair. we got to recruit and try to convince them to come to our cold state. In Florida, it's no fair. they got good weather in, well, the, in the, Texas. There was a point in time where the uh, Canadian dollar. So we dollar, should have more players and more right. scholarships. The Canadian dollar was low at one point, and that's around the time that the original Winnipeg Jets left to go to Arizona, right. and they lost the Quebec Nordiques to uh, Denver, who became the Avalanche. The dollar was weak, and so they felt like there was a disadvantage and they needed to correct that because they were in some financial dire straits. It's not like that anymore. So it does evolve, too, with your, the economic situations of each particular market. But all, all I know is this. The Predators have used that to their advantage beautifully. I'm not sure the Titans have. Right? Well, you don't hear that. I do. You never hear you that. You don't hear it. That's what has always been interesting to me is the Predators have absolutely used that yeah, but, to their but advantage. But, Willie, it's just started. That's why I'm bringing it up, right? It's just really started becoming a big story where everybody's bringing that up. I mean, how many years did we talk about uh, and, and, and raise our hands going up in the air going, why doesn't anybody ever say that, right? So uh, it's just really started happening. Well, yeah, but I, I mean, it just this whole nucleus, though, all the players that they've signed long term: Ellis, Yossi, uh, Sissons, Johansson, Forsberg. They all uh, Ekholm, Arvidsson, they Yarncrook. They, 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 they've all taken deals where they've kind of said, you know what, maybe I could get more if I left, but I think we can win here, and my money goes farther here. Well. To your point on the Titans, I, I just I don't know if that's going on or not. I, you it don't doesn't hear seem it. to go on well, at you all. Have a you lot don't of, seem to hear it. But you it, have a lot of former players that end up staying here because of that. Yes. I mean, that's, well, yeah, that's that's they that's set a, up residency. That's here. a different yeah. thing. But you're, I'm saying when it comes to a cap and salaries, you don't really hear that narrative coming from John Robinson or the organization that well, hey, yeah, you can go to Chicago and play for the Bears, but guess what? Your your money doesn't go. As far it, in Chicago, as, it should as totally. Never, I've as never heard that tool. in any NFL right. talk show that's talking about free right. agents or guys that need to be. I never hear that come up. Yeah. All right, we'll come back. More of Darren Donick and Chase here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Did I say uh, a hearty congrats to who won the tickets? No. John in Murfreesboro was the lucky caller. John was quick to get in there as a lot of you were. But John correctly answered Kevin Fiala. And I I thought you were trying to – I thought you were playing a mind game with the fans there because you you mentioned Kevin Fiala like seconds after I gave the question. Seconds. Well (laughs) – Was it like trying to play a Jedi mind trick to make sure you're trying to throw people off track? Well, I was just talking about them showing the wild line combinations last night for their game in St. Louis, and Kevin Fiala was on the fourth line. But they say he is possibly on the trade block. It has not worked out there, to it say the least. Things are, seem like they're going the wrong direction in Minnesota. 
they're one and eight on the road. They've had to play a ton of road games. Yep. And it has not gone well. So who would you rather be, the Wild or the Blackhawks, who have played only three road games, but they also have a record that doesn't look very good? Good question. Yep. It's time to give out the tickets right, for tonight. Who's coming tonight? Let's let's pick a name. All right. Dig All in right. there. Dig in there. Chase is going to do it. Digging in. Got a bunch Don't of look. names in here. But the winner, the lucky name is Shelly Newfield. Newfield? See if you can read that. Shelly. Shelly Newfield. 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 From Stoughton? Maybe visiting from uh, out of town here. Huh. Okay. Looks like a, right. an out-of-towner. So we will, uh, promotions will we'll contact you. We'll have your tickets at will call. So congratulations, Shelly. You're going to the game tonight. All right. So that Very is good. And you'll have another chance today. Uh, you have until 445 with Jared and the GM. So just come in to Pete and Terry's Tavern here at Bridgestone Arena and talk to or in, uh, register to win and Jared and Floyd will draw your names at uh, 445. And if you have registered, you're still in the hat for the next yes. one. So if you already come by, you're still in the running. If you didn't win this one, you still got a shot for the next one. There you go. Uh, Joe Flacco was reported uh, he's out four to six weeks. He will not need surgery, but out four to six weeks with the Broncos. Tonight, there is a game. Uh, San Francisco is in Glendale to take on the Cardinals. The 49ers are a healthy 10-point favorite. And then uh, Sunday, to kick all the action off in London, it'll be the Texans and the Jags. So keep that in mind. 8.30 kickoff. If you're uh, listening to all of our pregame coverage here on 1025 The Game, uh, Titans and Panthers kickoff at noon. We were talking uh, briefly on underdogs, because I know we got to get out of here in just a second, but about the Florida-Georgia game, how we were surprised yeah. one team was favored by six and a half yeah. over the other. Georgia being the six and a half point favorite. I, I'm pretty surprised that the line is what it is, because considering Georgia, the way they've looked the last yeah. two games. Yeah. A I, loss and a not a very I, impressive win. I thought it would be a lot closer than it is, so that's... That's why Florida, um, for Nick Kale, is a prob- could be a good pick. But, yeah, I, I'm with you because I, I thought it would be like a, th- what, three, three and a half? Georgia, That's kind of what I thought. Yeah. Three and a half was probably the number I was thinking. Georgia still has an outside shot, but it's like they they need to win, but they also probably need to win one of these games against Florida or Auburn, right, where they they look good doing it. And they kind of make a statement to the committee, like, "Hey, we're don't forget about us. We had one yep. bad game, yep. but don't just ignore that. And when we win the SEC championship game, you'll still want us in there." That's right. All right, we will come back, and you'll hear from Jeffrey Simmons on the other side. Good conversation with him, man. He has had quite the impact two games into his NFL career. We do that next to close out the Thursday edition of Darren Donick and Chase. Next on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Back here on Darren Donick and Chase on this Thursday afternoon. Got a chance to catch up with Jeffrey Simmons. 
He's already notched two NFL games and had an impact right away for the Titans. We got a chance to catch up with him, and here's what he had to say. So you've got two games under your belt. You're 2-0 in your NFL career. Things aren't bad, are they? Not so bad. Got a lot of work to do. You know, we just got to um, keep building and keep working and try to keep this um, this winning thing going. You know, it feels great to win, especially as a team. Um, so we just got to keep it going. Jeffrey, we had Wesley Woodyard on last week, and I asked about, you know, basically all of us having to admit when we first heard that, you know, they weren't even, you know, that they, they were, it was going to be sooner rather than later with you. I think we all kind of went, really? And then to see you get out there in that spot and, and everybody's like, okay, what can you really expect in this spot? It's going to take time. Kind of Rashawn Evans went through this last year. And for you to have the impact that you did, I mean, it blew us away. So the question is, is that what you expected? I mean, did you, how did you feel going into this spot and what were your expectations for yourself? I mean, I was just the whole time, you know, um, that when I finally got on the practice field, you know, I felt good, you know. You know, I went to um, Coach Ray and them that weekend, just like, you know, I feel good, I'm healthy, so I'm just ready to go. And, you know, once I got out there, you know, as my mindset is, you know, when I'm on the field, you know, I'm not thinking about my knee, you know, I'm thinking about just playing football. You know, my my position, you know, you have to, you know, whoop the man up, um, that line up across from you. So, you know, that was my mindset, you know, the whole time, not thinking about, you know, trying to do too much, just playing football and, you know, that just what I did. You know, I just felt like you know, I was doing my job and just going from there. So, I'm sure you've been a part of goal line stands before, but month that may not have been bigger than that one two weeks ago against the Chargers in your first NFL game. Uh, it was a game changer. It saved the game for you guys. How how big was that goal line stand for you and your teammates? It was big, you know, um, especially the way that game was going. You know, it was a close game. You know, it was a great team that we were playing against, and, you know, we knew that, you know, they was going to keep trying to run the ball at us. So, you know, us being um, a great defense that, you know, we have, have a great defense here, you know, just not, you know, bagging down. We, I said we're going to defend every inch of grass, and, you know, that's what we did. And, you know, we came up with a great stop. You know, D-line did their job. Linebacker did their job. Secondary did their job. So, I mean, everybody played a big part in that. This is the first time we've had a chance to talk to you. And I remember when the Titans drafted you and we had Joe Moorhead on the show. We had Bob Shoup on the show. We had guys who covered Mississippi State. And we talked to a lot of people that have been around you. And i got to be honest, the message was consistent. It was the same with everybody. Everybody just praised the type of player you are, the type of person that you are, what you bring to the table. So I guess the question I have for you, since, like I said, we haven't talked to you before, is – where did that come from? I mean, it's totally within, you know. Um, I, was just, I, I know for sure, you know, I come from a great um, background. My mom, you know, um, single parent that raised, you know, five kids on her own. And it's just, you know, her standards for us, and, you know, it just, you know, I try to live up to that. And, you know, my, me, myself, you know, I just, you know, I take pride in, you know, my character. I take pride in how I conduct myself, you know. Um, so from that point on, you know, I just, you know, you always have someone looking at you, you know, you know, don't know who it is, but, you know, you just got to always conduct yourself, um, you know, ask someone, you looking at someone watching you. So that's just my mindset, you know, every, every day, every, especially walking into this building, you know, I'm here, you know, just conduct myself like I want to, you know, a future job here. So 
man, that's just how I conduct myself, how I carry myself, like, you know, for the future, basically, what I'm saying. We're talking to Jeffrey Simmons, the rookie defensive lineman for the Tennessee Titans. And, Jeffrey, uh, two of the people you're talking to have been through the ACL uh, reconstruction here, so we, we have a little bit of a feel for what <laughs> you've gone through. Yeah. But I, I want to ask you just the, the mindset you have to have, because you worked your, your way back. There were a lot of people saying at the beginning of the season, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to come back and help them. You clearly are doing that. So you must have really had the right mentality every day in that physical therapy. So, so tell me how you approach that. Oh, that's, that's just the way, you know, like I said, um, how I conduct myself, you know. My mom always taught us, you know, you have to work what you want. And what I wanted was to get back on the field because that's what I – the thing that sucked the most was not being able to play football. So, you know, every time I wake woke up, wake up in the morning, you know, I woke up like you know with a mindset that, you know, I have to, you know, it's one day step, one uh, step closer to getting on the field and you know just be better than I was yesterday. And that was my mindset. And like I said, um, basically that whole process was mentally. And like I said, I just I was mentally strong through the whole thing. You uh, earlier in the game had a sack. It was the first time you really just jumped off the screen at us and, hey, here's Jeffrey Simmons. He's arrived. You must have had that great satisfaction of that first big play. I could tell also how excited your teammates were for you. What was that moment like? I was just one of the moments that, you know, it's finally here. You know, I'm finally playing football again. And, you know, especially with my teammates' excitement, and, you know, it was just, you know, I felt even better, you know, seeing them, you know, so happy for me that I made that sack, you know, made a play. I said, um, props to Daquan, you know, we had a game on, you know, we ran a perfect game and I looped around and just the excitement from all the guys, you know, that just made me even, you know, feel better about myself, you know, being back on the field. And, you know, I just, you know, from that point on, you know, I just got to keep making them type of plays, you know, to help the defense win and help the team win them in the game. Now, now there's that week in and week out preparation, physically, mentally, et cetera. I heard Mike Vrabel say this. When, when they asked about you at the press conference on Monday, after the win on Sunday, he said, the good news for me is that Jeffrey seems like he feels better after this game than he did after the first game. And I, I think he's a guy that's been through that. He knows that it's tough to jump in midstream. So how important is it going to be for you to maybe to stay as sharp as you can so you can sustain this throughout? Like I say, just, it's, that's, I, I guess you know, that's the reason why we play the game. It's the reason why we have practice every week. You, know, you just got to keep getting better and take the coaching. You know, I'm a, I'm big on that. You know, trying to learn more football as as I get older. You know, as I play this game, you know, you have to actually learn from other people. You have to take the coaching, and you know that's why that's what I'm you know expecting to do. That's what um, you know I, I'm sure the coaches expect me to do that. You know, and I feel like I have a lot more left, um, especially you know just coming and helping this team win. So I feel like I just gotta you know keep getting better so I can help this team win more games. Jeffrey Simmons is with us here on Darren Donick and Chase, and I, I've heard people, uh, players on the defense, say this, that if you know the Dean Pease defense, it's a lot of fun for you. If you don't know the Dean Pease defense, it's not. It's a, it's a lot of work. How have you been able with missing time, you know, training camp and then coming in just a couple of weeks ago, been able to keep up with everything, and it seems like that you have grasped this defense that wow. Dean Pease has put together? That's the whole thing, you know, especially during the, um, this recovery process, you know, I had to – I was in every meeting, you know, I was going to every walkthrough, you know, watching, you know, paying attention from from afar, you know. And, you know, I was always active in the meeting, you know, asking questions, you know, Coach Sheetham asking me questions. So, you know, it's one of the things that, you know, 
you know, after as that recovery process was going, you know, I, I'm sure they knew that I was getting close to time to actually practice. So that's when I started getting more and more engaged, you know. So that's that helped a lot, you know, being able to walk through, you know, and actually see in the meeting room what the coaches want. So. How cool has it been for you to be able to lean on guys like a Jarrell Casey or Wesley Woodyard, other of the, the veteran members of this defense, and be able to, to pick some things out of their brains, of not only about this defense, but about playing in the NFL? I mean, that's just, I feel like that's one of the you know, pros about, you know, having guys like that, you know, Wesley and um, Jarrell, you know, some guys who actually played this game a long time, you know, just getting, you know, some stuff from them, especially Jarrell that play, plays my position, you know, he always, you know, if, you know, telling me this and that. So it's like, you know, having him in the same D-line room as me, you know, playing all these years is very helpful. Um, and then you just have a, a great leader like Wesley who, you know, don't always try to get everything out of you. So, I mean, it just – I feel like it's one of the things that it's an honor to have them type of guys around you and on the same team as you. Jeffrey, I'm just going to put the bug in your ear as we wrap this up. I'm not trying to make your plans for you, but your bye week, your off week, uh, Mississippi State's got a home game against Alabama, so you might want to look into that. I'm just saying. Uh, you know, I'm probably I'll probably be there. Um, you know, I'm expecting you know them to try to actually win the game. You know, not to back down. You know, that's something that we take pride in, not to back down for no one. So, especially you know, Mississippi State always been an underdog, so. I mean, just one of the things we just got to go with that mentality, you know, not begging down for no one. So I like it. Hey, good to talk to you for the first time. Good job. Go to Charlotte, get a win, and uh, we'll talk to you down the road. Yes, sir. Tighten up. Good stuff from Jeffrey Simmons of the Titans. Of course, the Titans in Charlotte to take on the Carolina Panthers this Sunday. That kickoff is at noon central. That will do it for our show today. Another good show in the books. Don't forget Predators and Flames tonight at 7 o'clock pregame at six o'clock you have a great and safe halloween we'll be back to wrap up the week tomorrow morning at 10 a.m we'll see you then